Hello and welcome to The Sacred. My name is Elizabeth Oldfield, and this is usually a podcast about the deepest values of those who shape our public conversations and how we can get better at engaging with people we disagree with. Normally, we go out every fortnight, given the strange times we're living through. We are planning to put out short specials on our normal off weeks. In my head, I'm calling these existential accompaniments, which my team tells me is not at all catchy, but it sums up a little bit of what I hope we can offer. In future weeks, we're planning to return to speak to some of our former guests, and I'll be asking them if this crisis has crystallised or even changed what they hold sacred, and what it might tell us about our collective shared values. I would also really love to hear from you, and you can get in touch super easily by sending us a voice message with your responses to the same questions. Has this time changed or crystallised what you hold sacred? And what can it tell us about the values that we share? We've set up a special WhatsApp number, which is in the show notes, or you can email them to our normal email. Please keep them to under a minute and a half if you can. And if you need somewhere quiet to record, I can recommend being underneath your duvet, but I have discovered that sleeping bags are less hot for these purposes. For today, though, I'm just going to speak about a few values-related things that I've been pondering in relation to this time. It's really fascinating me how questions that I haven't heard asked explicitly outside a university ethics seminar room are suddenly right front and centre of our public conversations. And there are two big theological or philosophical questions bubbling up. Who do we value and what do we owe each other? The first is, I think, about what a good or a valuable life looks like. Who's worthy of honour? Who do we pay attention to or sacrifice for? Should there be a hierarchy of human value? And if so, based on what? And I think most of us, at least in theory or consciously, would want to argue for total human equality. Our former guest, Tom Holland, would say that's entirely due to the legacy of Christianity. But I know you won't all agree with that. I think we can agree, though, that the way our society is set up doesn't always look like we're willing to live as if that's true. Protecting the vulnerable from the elderly to the disabled hasn't always seemed our highest priority. But it really is now. We're turning our lives upside down in order to protect their lives. Also, seeing those who have dedicated their lives to caring for others and those whose jobs are appallingly poorly paid and often really precarious, seeing them being acknowledged and recognised for the vital key role they play in keeping our society running has been really interesting and I'm wondering how it might change us. The second question then is what do we owe to each other? My uh, wonderful philosopher husband tells me that this is the title of a very famous book um, which I haven't read Um, and I think it is accessible to everyone. Are we in biblical terminology our brother or our sister's keeper? How much is the welfare of others our business, our responsibility. The UK has been a really strongly individualistic culture. I was reading that in 2017, a survey found it to be the most individualistic culture of all the countries in the EU, of which we remember at that point. And I'm really wondering if that will change. Individualism feels suddenly out of fashion and the collective is really visible to us. So two questions, who do we value and what do we owe each other? The other thing that is uh, becoming very visible for me is this thing about engaging across difference now. What does it look like? And I can see this all too common tendency in myself and in others to continue to be defining ourselves against. You know, it's not a new thing. Someone called it to me recently, fractal narcissism. 
We do it in families. We do it in organizations. We do it as nations. You know, we are like this. They are like that. These are the ways in which we are different and implicitly better. It's part of our search for a stable identity. I think it's a really universal human instinct. And sometimes it, it can be you know, neutral or positive, but it also often turns into a way to exclude or condemn. And as we all have this really difficult time, as we all adjust and are living in ways we didn't expect to, um, even a month ago, it's really, I've really noticed that when we speak about the ways that we're struggling, it can create a negative reaction in those who are struggling with something different or struggling in a different way. So the thing I've seen a lot is that those who have been even busier than normal because they've got caring responsibilities or their work has got really intense, get really resentful with those who are talking about all this free time or all this space to themselves. And the opposite is true too. If you are reluctantly single or living alone, or even if that's the choice that you've made, but it's now enforced full time, that those moaning about the proximity of their families, they can seem a bit like they're rubbing salt in the wound. And this is happening in lots of different ways. You know, if you've lots of time because your job is under threat, then you might really find it difficult to hear about talking, people talking about their secure jobs, even if their secure jobs are, are incredibly frontline and more intense than they've ever been in their lives. Our experiences of the pandemic are in some ways really similar. And one of the beautiful things about it is I can't remember a more collective experience in my lifetime. But the way we're experiencing this time is really different. I'm aware of us needing to navigate that difference carefully, which is even harder when we're all really anxious, when we're all in threat response. And I find this really unlovely instinct within myself to compare and almost compete with our suffering. And, and I see it elsewhere. I think it's related to that side effect of fight and flight, that tendency to lash out or look for someone to blame. We know it's really established response when we feel anxious or threatened. And so one of the things that we can do, that we can always do, is notice that in ourselves and wait and breathe and try and let some of that response wear off. We can draw on our kind of peacemaking practices if we have them, whether they're from the kind of Christian peacemaking tradition or otherwise. I think we can listen to other people's experience. We can seek to be empathetic and remind ourselves that their experiences don't have to devalue our own that's a few thoughts from me for now. Please do check out the short film that Emily Down, who's our amazing sacred designer and animator, made from the pandemic poem I read on our last special episode. If you can, we'd love you to share it as widely as possible because without being immodest, I think it is beautiful and helpful and I'd love as many people as possible to see it. And please do send me your messages. I would love to hear from you. I am an extreme end of the spectrum extrovert in lockdown. So all human contact, especially adult human contact, uh, as I'm locked in here with my kids, is welcome. Stay well, stay connected. Hope to speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Sacred. I'm Elizabeth Oldfield. The producer of this episode is Soup Shop Productions, and it is a project of the think tank Theos. We'd really love to hear your thoughts, whether via Twitter at sacred underscore podcast or me at Theos Elizabeth or the sacred podcast at gmail.com if it's easier to write in long form. As always, please do rate and share so others can find the podcast. We're also now available on Spotify, so it's even easier to take the sacred with you wherever you go. 
Finally, if you'd like to know more about the work of Theos, you can connect via the website at theosthinktank.co.uk.